I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP Show. My intention is that you listen to the stories of these MVP guests and are inspired to become an MVP and bring value to the world through your skills. If you have not checked it out already, I do a YouTube series called How to Become an MVP. The link is in the show notes. With that, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from the United States. He is the CTO at Colorado Technology Consultants. He was first awarded as MVP in 2003. Based on my calculations, that's 20 years ago. He's a Microsoft Regional Director, Photographer, Public Speaker in Colorado Springs. He enjoys developing applications in the Microsoft uh, platforms, not just the Power Platform, but right across the, the tech stack, specializing in large system architecture and design. You can find links to his bio and social, as well as if we uh, talk about any things that have links to them, they'll be in the show notes for this episode. Welcome to the show, David. Good to be here, Mark. How are you? Very good. Very good. Good to have you on the show. And I think that of all the last six years of my podcasting, you're the longest standing MVP to join. Uh, yeah, this is an exciting year. It was my uh, 20th. Wow. That's pretty phenomenal. How many years has the Biz Apps, and I know it had other names, how many years has that community been running as part of the MVP program? You know, that's, that's a really good question. I'm not sure when the biz apps one, it really started from CRM, right? It kind of evolved into the biz apps. And I, I actually started as an ASP.NET MVP, fully on custom software dev. And, and then I, I did a stint with Silverlight and then switched over to CRM and then followed on to biz apps. Wow. So a long journey. You've you've obviously seen a lot in that time. Before we uh, get into the area that you play in today and 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 what uh, what you're focused on, tell us tell us a bit about food, family, and fun from your perspective. I know Colorado. Interesting. I'll give my fun fact about Colorado. My understanding it has the highest bungee jump in the world. Now I've done the highest bungee jump in New Zealand. But I understand about once a year, there's a festival or something, and the highest bungee jump in the world is done in Colorado. Yeah, I think you're talking about the Royal Gorge, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually a bridge over a creek, and you can jump off it. I don't, I'm not big on jumping off a perfectly good bridge. <laughs> I have the same feeling about airplanes and diving out of them. Mm -hmm. I've done that too. Um, so tell us, yeah, food, family, and fun in Colorado. What about them? What 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 do you like? Is in what do they mean to you? What's your the best steakhouse to eat at? What do you do for fun when you're not doing? Uh, the best steakhouse that we have local is a, a steakhouse called Pepper Tree. They actually cook the steak at your table, 
and they do Caesar salads also. So they bring a little cart and they uh, actually make the Caesar dressing right in front of you. Nice. And what do you do? Do you game or what do you do when you're not doing something in the IT space? Recently, we've been playing a lot of pool. We got a new pool table, so we've been uh, trying to become pool sharks. Nice, nice. Is it like a pool, or does it also do billiards? Is it like one of those supersized tables, or it's a it's an eight foot standard, you know, pool table. So we we do a lot of nine ball. Nice, nice hours of entertainment. Yeah, and sometimes Julie wins, sometimes I win, sometimes we have guests and they kill us. Nice, nice. Next time you're out this way, you'll have to stop by and play a game. Well, are they ever going to run a conference in Colorado? Uh, Dynamics Con, I believe, is here next year in Denver. Wow. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Who knows what will happen between now and then. I Till two weeks ago, I didn't think I was doing any conferences this year, and now I've been told I'm going there to, uh, what is it, Microsoft Partner Power Platform Conference in Vegas. And then I've got another one in Slovenia next year coming up, I think, May, um, the, the Dynamics Minds Conference. So all of a sudden, the, the world seems to be getting back into pre-COVID gear. Yeah, I think things are starting to open up again finally, and people are starting to do some in-person type stuff. Uh, I was at Build and the MVP Summit. Those are my recent ones that I was at. And I had a good experience, certainly at both. I got COVID at the MVP Summit, which wasn't one of my highlights, but I wouldn't change anything for going. So somebody happened to have it there, got it, checked the box, and moved on. That That is unfortunate. Tell us about what's on your radar at the moment. What are you focused on? What's, uh, what's 2023 shaping up to be for you? What are you excited about in tech that's changed? You know, there's a number of things I'm excited about. I mean, I think we've gotten to where we've got, especially in biz apps, where we've matured enough to where there's an actual viable product that is being sold and deployed and used by people and all kinds of people are able to build stuff. Uh, I go back to when I wrote uh, CRM as a rapid application development platform. And, uh, you know, it's been a number of years since then, but we've kind of really made that truly askew that can come to life on there. And so really excited about that. But I'm also excited about a lot of the AI stuff. I mean, everybody's excited about AI. And and I think that excitement bleeds off on everybody. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that you just said CRM Rapid, was it Rapid Development Platform? Yeah. So this is the crazy thing. We've had such an index on, you know, low-code, no-code with a power platform and and people thinking that the workloads that you can build on it are just the simple things, right? Maybe the Excel replacements, maybe, you know, um, what I call clipboard-based apps. And yet through our careers, and I've been 20 years in, in, in the dynamic space, I've built some big apps, you know, that, that, that involved m- tens of millions of dollars worth of revenue that evolved around the apps that we built. And it was on... Back in the day, we called XRM, and it was allowing us to build anything. Like, you know, uh, I, I was talking recently. I've, I've we've built an app on Dynamics three six five sales or Microsoft sales back in the day that controls uh, roading assets eleven so- times the size of the United Kingdom. Right. So this is big roading infrastructure in, in WA, and 
people, I think there needs to kind of be a pivot back to, you know, you can actually can create enterprise scale applications on the power platform. So that book you wrote back then really holds true to today. Yeah, it certainly does. And and uh, I'm actually really excited. We the, Microsoft just published a app modernization white paper. Maybe you can provide a link to people in the podcast, but it really drills into a lot of that. And I, I was happy to participate in some of that. It just recently came out. And it really highlights some of the things. You may not build a stock trading application on it to track the trades, but you can certainly build everything around it. And I think a lot of people turn off to thinking, like you said, that it's only for, you know, maybe a simple business process, but you can do a lot more than that. Yeah, a- absolutely. I had another one recently, which was um, for a, a power utility company and the app that wanted built would manage um, end to end the entire sales lifecycle, but also the delivery implementation lifecycle and validation of solar systems on homes. Right, so it's quite a an app that does a whole bunch of stuff. It has you know digital signatures at different points. It has you know stage gates of things. There needs to be a property assessment. There's a you know um, contractors go out to the property. All of that built on the power platform end to end, and and it's a entire business unit. This is a system that runs the entire business unit. Well, and if you look at Dataverse, I mean, Dataverse used to be strictly relational data. You now have unrelational data, that non-relational data that you can store in there, the elastic storage. Uh, we were just looking at that for a scenario today to see if it was applicable, where you might otherwise look straight to Azure Cosmos. You can do some of that within the platform, have it tied with the one single API access that you're working with. Yeah. Tell us about 365 dot training which by the way if you're listening to this if you go to 365.training that is the url to access uh the site that dave has tell us about that yeah so 365training is all focused on power platform um the idea that we had is we won you know you go to a number of sites like i won't name them but you know the ones that have just everything under the sky and you kind of get lost in the sea of content we wanted to focus on the power platform uh, have some free content, some paid content, kind of a mix of both, some community stuff out there. Uh, we've been recently, one of the things I'm really excited about is we've recently been adding some, speaking of AI, we've been adding that into the platform at, alongside the training. And it's not going to go learn things for you. We want to help you in that process. Think of it almost like a co-pilot for training. See, I love this concept. Uh, internally, I'm I'm working on an app that basically will interrogate all of Microsoft Learn and give you, you know, let's say you want to replace a an Excel spreadsheet. What do I need to learn if I'm a citizen developer to go and consume that? And so on your platform, are you saying a similar type thing? You can go, hey, I want to learn XYZ skill. And then it will give you of your entire library, which is an extensive library, the kind of path, the things that you need to learn and, and do. Yeah. And what we've done is we've paired it with the course topics. So like if you take a PowerFX course, you're going to be able to ask PowerFX questions. And it already knows that you're dealing with PowerFX because each each of the co-pilots are, have context information about that. And we've injected in and fed in some extra information. So it's not just like going to chat GPT, you know, and getting a, a stock answer. And you can go to chat GPT or even GitHub Copilot and ask it a question 
but it doesn't know the context that you're in. And that's one of the things that we really, I think is really important about AI. Uh, I actually was looking at Copilot for sales and that's a good example of it's getting smarter, but it's not quite there where it knows the context of the opportunity. And it's those context things that make AI really useful for somebody working with it. So let's unpack that concept of context because I don't think a, a lot of people understand um, what it what it potentially means. So we have a large language model. I understand, and I'll tell you my understanding, and you can correct it, is that the context piece is your data coming to the mix, but it can be a bunch of things as well. It can be telemetry data. It could be metadata. It could be the fact that it knows where you're logging in from, who you are, what you've done to date. Um, the context of the training that you're in, it is aware of all these kind of parameters. And so when you ask it a question, it's almost like it it constructs the correct prompt engineering to hand back to the large language model to give you a very precise, accurate answer with not too much hallucinations. Is that about right? Yeah, I like to think about So we just published a course on, on power pipelines. And you know, if you take pipelines in itself, if you said, what is a pipeline? And you went to chat GPT and asked that. I would imagine you, there's a good chance you might get something about oil in your answer. Whereas if you go to our site and you ask, what is pipelines? It already knows that you're dealing with power pipelines because through the prompt engineering, we've already instructed it to that scope. And, and we also have kind of kept it to say, don't go talk about oil pipelines, talk only about power pipelines. And we've also, because pipelines, you know, large language models are trained at a certain point in time, you know, and that's the knowledge that they have. They don't have the ability to gain new knowledge unless it's injected in as part of the prompt that goes in. You you see on some models the the fine tuning. So, for example, on the 3.5 model, they just released the fine tuning, but that's not always necessary. A lot of times you can just tell it along with your prompt, give it some additional context. So like when you ask us about that, if it doesn't know about power pipelines because it was released after the model was trained, it wouldn't be able to answer those questions. But we can give it some baseline, some grounding data that helps it understand how to answer some of those questions. It's really good at reasoning, understanding what you're asking for, formatting, and that helps it give a more intelligent answer to the question. And if somebody gives us feedback that, hey, that isn't a good answer, we'll go look at it, take that feedback into mind, maybe give it some more grounding data to give it some more basis for the answer it gives the next time. So what's your learning curve like been like since, you know, November, December last year with where, you know, OpenAI splashed onto the world stage, everyone became aware of LLMs that, you know, if you like, the it became noticeable in the public consciousness much more than the AI has been around since the 60s, but it's now this whole area of generative AI. For you, and applying this to the Power Platform, what's that learning curve been for you? And where do you find your resources? Because a lot of people, and I'm probably, I know that you're, you're in technical by nature and you look at it from a technical lens, but have how do lay people get started, do you feel, with their AI journey and in and, and the modern context of, of how we know AI? Wow, that's a lot to uh, kind of dive through there. You may have to 
pick up the pieces as I miss some of the things you asked there. Uh, as far as for me, the journey, I, you know, I, I was a little bit taken surprise. I, I, I followed AI for a while and, uh, you know, it's always been, you know, it's interesting, but there's a high bar to entry. Um, we did some neural network stuff years ago before it was even popular. And now it's, you know, gotten much more in the, the vogue. But you're, you're seeing AI become a lot more approachable by a broad set of people. And, but at the same time, I think you're also seeing the hype of it exceeding anybody's expectations. You know, it, it can solve everything. AI can't solve everything. In fact, it'll probably create some more problems for things that weren't problems before that we'll have to figure out. And grounding people's, you know, hype in that, AI can't solve everything. And I think where people get disappointed with AI sometimes is they think it's this magical thing that's unicorn that's to just make everything. Okay. They ask one simple question, it'll do everything for them. And it takes work. Just as I would ask, might ask you for feedback on an email or help me compose something, I, I might ask AI to help with that. Doesn't mean that I'm going to take what you give me and just slap it in and send it without doing any editing on it, right? Yeah. I want to put my own personality on it. And and those are things that I think you're going to continue. You know, what I'm excited about AI is seeing those that personalization, that tailoring, that partnership come to life in the different products and things that you use every day. Um, but at the same time, I'm realistic that, you know, it's not magic. There, there is, you know, there's technology behind it that, you know, kind of does things on a rational way of doing things. And you you have to, you know, not expect it to do the dishes for you. No, no, that's good. I, I like the explanation. But what it sparked in my mind then is how soon do you think, because you gave a bit of, you know, understanding of what it is and what it isn't. For the last 20 years, I've been collecting all my personal data. And I'm talking about scripts from going to doctor's appointments um, all my insurance policies for the, you know, everything, like all my comms, all my emails, the whole lot. And I want to get to the point that I can feed that into a large language model and it knows me and I can interrogate it to find out what I haven't thought about what I know and things like that. Or, and do you think we're there? Like, uh, it's kind of like a digital twin, but for a human, not, you know, an IOT device. Um, what are your thoughts? I'm going to stop you right there. No, we're not there yet. And the reason for that is, is that's a bucket load of data. And if you, if you think about AI's memory currently that it's capable of, what it's the context that it's able to talk to and remember that you tell it, it's much smaller than that bucket that holds your life knowledge. And, and so that's the thing that will evolve over time, I believe is how much of that it will be able to know without having it's because you don't want it to be trained on your data. You want your data to be used as necessary to answer questions, but it needs to have a large enough capacity that it can pull, you know, the important things, you know, so in your example, it might not need your financials, but might need certain things from medical. It would know how to load that in and use it and then not be trained on that. Because you don't want it trained on your data, right? No, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to train the model, but I want to kind of anchor it. You know, I don't know. I don't. Um, my my vision in the next two years is that everyone will have an LLM on their phone, 
Um, there's already been predictions that'll happen within 24 months um, that they'll condense an, um, the latest LLMs down to around two gig in size and therefore easily can be stored on the phone. And the the concept of basically then being able to use that against your data sets, um, you know, so I could go back and go, okay, where were all the dumb financial decisions I made in my life? It was there, 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 and there, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's interesting is people are going back, and, and I think companies need to do this, individuals need to do this on their own. How do they do stuff on a daily basis? Be realistic about it, but look at where the AI can help them and where it won't be helping them. And for companies, that means re-envisioning some of the things of how they do business that weren't practical before, that will be practical going forward. Because of what is enabled, but you also have to realize that that's going to rapidly change. Even how you do that will rapidly change. So you, you're going to need to invest wisely in where you spend your resources implementing those. At least that's my opinion. I don't know what your thoughts. No, that's good. That's good. I like that. Listen, just on your website right now, because we're at time um, to wrap things up. How do people get access to this new AI functionality on 365.training. So it's on a number of the courses. You'll see 365 AI in the course details. So like PowerFX is a good example of one. Uh, one of the things I like to do with PowerFX is ask it to generate some code for me. And then I give it back to it, ask it again, what does this do? And it will explain what the code does for there. But there's a number of courses that have it. Pipelines has it. Dataverse has it. The Dataverse one actually is uh, infused with my Dataverse book. So when it asks, you ask it a question about it, it will look at the, the Amazon book content, look it up, include that in the answer, blended with what it already knows. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 Guy. If you like the show and want to be a supporter, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 Guy. Thanks again, and see you next time.